0: Well, hello and welcome to episode 160 of The Cool Room. I'm your host, David Griffiths, and we've got an excellent show coming up for you today. It's the second of our three podcasts based on interviews we did at the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival. Again, a shout-out to Shane and all the team uh, who were so kind to invite us out on that day and uh, help us out in setting things up and getting some great interviews Today we're going to hear from some old friends and new friends again. Uh, We have co-conspirators on uh, and of course it's not an interview with co-conspirators without a special guest or two popping up in the background. We also have Urban Alley coming on the podcast for the first time and the Clifton Hill Brew Pub. So gather around and get ready for those uh, interviews. Again, a little reminder that just because this is an outdoor podcast uh, in this instance, the audio is not up to our usual high levels that we like to expect, But again, some really great conversations, and we hope that you'll put up with a little bit of background noise to get some insights from some great breweries. Uh, And also, please remember to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, so that you can find out about future events. Both live ones, and we're heading out for some live events again soon, uh, but also online every Thursday night. Also, we're online interviewing great brewers from Victoria, from Australia, and from all around the world. Really excited to have some great ones coming up in that uh, series as well. And you can get the beers for those from our online store. So, plenty of reasons to be keeping an eye with us uh, online. Look, without any further ado, let's go over and we'll kick off with Jackie uh, out at the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival and we'll see who else comes and joins us. Well, here we are. We're back with our next interview at the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival and I'm beginning to think that, Jackie, you genuinely want to take out the title of most interviewed person on the call room. We're welcoming Jackie from Co-Conspirators.
1: No, I'm not. You know, Tim is more than me. Tim's more than me.
0: Is that right? Because I feel now like there's been many episodes that you've been on for. Yeah, you know, There was a time when you were appearing about once a month. So. No,
1: I was not. No, oh, no, no, there, no, There was an
0: infamous return visit around Grand Final Day that was yeah. about a minute. So. <laughs> so,
1: Grand yeah. Final Day, yeah. And then we recently had one in the pub in August. That's and it. this is the this is second time this year. Because I didn't go to the Hot pe- I wasn't at the Hot Peddler one. Clint, Clint represented and Doreen represented us for the Hot Peddler. So I could have been three times this year.
0: That's but, all good. Yeah. There's, a, there's a reason that we have you on very regularly. It's because <laughs> we love your beers. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of, uh, of new fun ones in a minute. But first of all, for people who, for reasons I don't understand, have missed the first 177 (laughs) episodes of The Cool Room, uh, of which you've appeared in nearly all of them by the sounds of it, can you paint us a little bit of a picture about where Co-Conspirators is, what it's like, and a little bit of that origin story?
1: Yeah. Uh, So, um, Jackie from Co-Conspirators, we've been around since 2016. I've started the business with my partner Tim and my business partners Maggie and Dion. Uh, We've been Gypsy Brewing for the last five and a bit years and we opened our brew pub in Brunswick last year and we're about to celebrate our first birthday in December. It's amazing
0: to me that it's only been a year, I think I've got that wrong on nearly every occasion. It feels like it's been there. Much
1: it does feel like it's been there a bit longer it's been a very hectic year but it's um, yeah, we're celebrating the, the first birthday on the 17th of December
0: and you guys like a bit of a party we do tell me tell me aside from a cake <laughs> I presume there's a cake oh. uh, what uh, I'm sure we can manage a cake don't worry <laughs> what else can we uh, what else can we look forward to at the first birthday party
1: Yes, yeah, so we organised all our staff that have been working with us for the last 12 months. are all making a beer, so we're making four new beers um, that's a for lot the birthday. Of,
0: that's a lot of extra people to shovel out the fermenters. Yes, you know, absolutely,
1: joking. absolutely. So, uh, Joanna, our venue manager, um, she is uh, making a lemon and lime rattler. Nice. Yep. Uh, Ulmer our brewer, is making a hazy IPA and. What he says is, uh, it's kind of got East Coast and West Coast vibes. So I don't know. That's the, it's getting too complicated and brewery. I reckon. I was going to say, I find that
0: interesting. It's like it's like you can brew whatever you like, and yeah. it's like oh, he makes more or less the same beer. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, and then uh, Genevieve, our brew pub supervisor, is making a strawberries and cream uh, smoothie sour
0: very nice.
1: Yes. And then our casual team of sort of joined forces and they are making a passion fruit XPA.
0: Outstanding. And it yeah. it says a bit about the ethos of the brewery, doesn't it? Yeah. That everyone's getting a crack at this.
1: Absolutely. And look, we also I think we've talked about that we had we had a we had a uh, crowd funds, uh last year and we also got our 402 investors to pick a beer for our birthday and um, they decided to have something that we had previously released um, to come back and they're picking the Undertaker, which is our rye IPA. So that's also going to be on tap.
0: That is a delicious beer. (laughs) I am very happy to hear that. And not only because there's a bit of a wrestling reference in there, that makes it extra special, (laughs) but there's there's not enough rye beers around, I reckon.
1: Yeah, I think we've... We really like rye, I mean, it's, it's, it's particularly hard to brew I've been told, but um, we do a few rye beers which we, which we really love and that rye IPA, we haven't had it for a long time so we're really excited to have it back.
0: Now, yeah, And given I have collaborated with you and I have been on shovel <laughs> duty out at, the, uh, out at the brewery, is it fair to say that you know, some of these lucky investors get to come and shovel out the fermenter at the end of it? They did, there's
1: of... a few that came for brew day, um, they had a good day, out, a day at the pub. So, did they yeah. realise
0: they were actually going to have to work?
1: Yeah no, but the, yes, they did. Uh, well, I think they did. But um, yeah, we had about six of them come out for Brew Day. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, you yeah, know, we do it during the week because like, it's really hard for people to come out during work time. But uh, yeah, no, it was a really, really good to have a few of them around to, for Brew Day, which is great.
0: Excellent. Now we we were talking just part in passing there about hazy pale ales and hazies. Yes. Um, you've got a new core range beer that's sitting in this yeah. glass in front of me at the moment.
1: So you, I don't know if people didn't know, we've, we've really not had a core range. Being a Gypsy Brewer, we've had limiteds for the last five years. Um, and as the the, the, um, the brewery is growing, uh, we thought it was about time we launched a uh, a core range. Uh, so uh, the Matriarch's now sort of shifting into that core range range um, Um, uh, core range beer which basically was a core range and we just had it all the time but it's now officially a core range beer um and the other three will be our well they'll be a part of the usual suspects so um the first one being the hazy pale which we launched yesterday and that will follow by an ipa and a lager in the new year
0: and is there a particular reason why you chose, you know, Hazies to be in that core range? Like uh, do you
1: do you know who we are? Oh, that's exactly, sort exactly, of
0: exactly what I was getting at. Yeah. So for people genuinely for our listener in Hungary you know, who may not have heard the story. I mean, tell us about, you know, the Matriarch is an iconic beer in Melbourne.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I may have talked this uh, story a bit uh, in the last one, but uh, we were one of the first Victorian breweries to make make a hazy IPA together with um, uh, Free Ravens and Hop Nation. Uh, We were sort of in that sort of uh, very time of when hazy beers were becoming coming out in Australia and I think we we hit the market with that quite quite at a good time because uh, we haven't stopped making it so I, I, we, I think we might be doing all right the right thing so yeah.
0: And the decision, uh, t- talk about the, the concept of the usual suspects and a bit of that branding, because you know we love yeah. a branding conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you definitely want to get Clint, he's running around somewhere, I could always uh, drag we, him in.
0: We, we, we've had more than enough Clint on the <laughs> podcast lately. We were, we were interviewing <laughs> Bright the other night oh, yes. online, and suddenly Clint
1: appeared yes, you know, of out course. of nowhere. Yes, so. of course, of course. Um, yeah, I mean... Um, we were thinking about what we would do, whether we would do character beers or something a little different to, to differentiate between a limited and a core range beer. I mean, And us being us, we kind of wanted to be a bit different and uh, sort of, it's sort of a, it, attracting a different market of people and, um, you know, as, as the, the, the brewery is growing, we, we thought it was about time to have something that's ongoing because... You know, with ours, we make a beer, we sell, we sell out of it, and it doesn't come back. And some, some uh, customers of ours get quite frustrated that they can't get that beer again. And we just said, well, it's out, it's out. And it's, it was okay for us a few years ago, but um, as the brand's growing, I think we needed uh, some beers that are available year-round, and then to add limiteds within the mix. So uh, if you can just imagine your bottle shop shelf in the fridge and. You've got the four, the four core range and then you'll have you know our one of our sours and one of our hazy IPAs next to it, uh, pretending on the season. So that was kind of the, the sort of idea about it. Um, and Clint came up with, funnily enough, he, it was a bit of an accident because we were looking at some art, um, artwork to sort of represent what um, our Brewpub Series beers would be. And that was the original look of what this beer might want to be. And then he realised... I kind of like this, and uh, sort of presented it to ourselves as this should be the core range, and the rest is history, it's all done. So, yeah.
0: Now, normally I'd sort of ask a question about the decision to have the, uh, the core range emerge a bit like this. I'd say, Was this based on feedback from your beer reps? But I'm going to ask it a bit differently because you've been out doing the beer rep business. (laughs) Uh, I I was out on the lawn bowls green (laughs) training training the other night at the wonderful Flemington and Kensington Bowling Club, uh, where there are many great beers, including great co spirits beers. And there was Jackie standing on the sidelines.
1: I uh, have have been because yeah, we uh, we needed some help, especially with the uh, core range launching. So I've I've pivoted. And um, I'm now back in sales marketing. Well, I've been in marketing, but back in sales, so helping Maggie out on the road. So it's just the two of us at the moment with someone starting up in the new year. So, um, yeah, but it's fine. You know, Flamkin are a really good one of my customers and they buy a lot of beer, which is great. So uh, they had your beer on tap, which is great. So uh, thanks uh, thanks to the team there. So
0: and, uh, and I guess genuinely, do you think from a sales point of view, you know, if you work you know, in, with your beer rep hat on, is it going to be easier to sell that core range? Is it sort of
1: yeah, re- yeah.
0: regular orders and you yeah, don't have to go and explain it that
1: Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, it's just, like I said before, it's just having that brand presence all the time and having it on the shelf. Because when you have limiteds, you put it out there, and then if it runs out, you lose a space. So then like, they'll replace it with another limited. So if we have a core range in the fridge. Or on tap all the time, then it'll always be there, and it's something that we haven't really, really focused on in the past. So even like contracted taps, like or long, long-term taps on some uh, good craft beer venues, like we've really not even ha- had a chance to do that. I mean, we yeah. had a we've had a few in Matriarch, um, but yeah, we, we definitely need uh, like something like the Hazy Pale. Like um, it's, it's something we can, we can have all year round. I mean, we're even getting to the point where there's some some of my customers uh, as I am an ex hotelier myself um, a few of, uh, industry people um, in hotels have reached out and they're looking at this sort of beer in mini bar and, and those sorts of things which is not something that we've even had the chance of doing in the past so yeah.
0: Now we've got a second beer to taste today. Yes, uh, we've got the uh, the Budgie Smuggler Cerveza. Um, I find Clint a deeply disturbing human being, <laughs> and I say that to his face. This is not something that's behind the scenes. This might be the most disturbing can art that we've uh, that you guys have so? come out with so far.
1: Even more so than the Hot Peddler.
0: Yeah, they they're, they're they're disturbing in different ways. Perhaps but it's, it's indicative it that th- I wear a trench coat more often than yeah. I wear red budge, <laughs> Budgie Smugglers. Um, Obviously, let's start with talking about what's inside the can, but I really do want to come back and talk about our little friend on the front as right, well.
1: Right, right. Well, it is a Cerveza, so uh, otherwise, a Mexican lager. Um, so it's got it's quite a summer bit and it's been selling, well, both beers are selling very well here at the festival today. Being the weather is a bit hot and a bit Ooh. humid, so um, it's a, it's a Cerveza. It's made with corn, so it's um, quite a light style. Uh, we've got some ideas, you know. It, we do like we didn't bring any lime today, but you can serve it with some lime and um, and and make some cocktails with it. So, yeah, it's a kind of interesting beer. This is, I have to say, this is Joe's beer, Joanna's right. beer. She wanted us a cerveza, and we're like, this is not really what we've ever done before, and um, we made one, and it's just. And it's a limited as well, and it's almost sold out. Like, we don't have much of it left. It's only been out for, like, three weeks, so, yeah.
0: And genuinely, thinking core range, or, you know, how how do you make that transition, Uh, or is the core range only ever going to be four?
1: I think it'll only be four to start with. I think that's very much... We always had this thought of having, like, especially at the pub, like, the core range... Lager, and then a specialty lager. So that would be a really great specialty lager for summer. Uh, we've had a we've had the Nonna, which was an Italian pilsner, which is also a really great um, specialty lager. Uh, there's a lot of hops that go into that beer, so you probably couldn't make it in a core range anyway. Yep. Um, but, and then we had the Explorer, which was a New Zealand Pelican who which is also very, was very popular. So we can rotate that specialty lager all through the year. But, yeah, no, probably not a core range style. Yeah. Now,
0: the, you're very familiar with our traditional cool room question, <laughs> where we ask, you know, what's the most disturbing thing you've seen in you're a in cool a room. room or in a pub or whatever else. But we're, we're switching it up today. We're going oh. with the uh, most disturbing thing you've seen at a beer festival. Oh. Uh, wow. And you need to get this story out quick, uh, because I see Clint out know, there he's circling <laughs> in the distance. He's, your- he's he, he can't help himself. He's going to come over and tell us the story of the budgie smuggler, isn't he? he- we were. It's, it's like it's like genuinely. He must have been hearing the conversation we were having. I said I thought this was the most disturbing chap who'd appeared on a co-conspirator's And he's cracking
1: a at the same time. That's his ad.
0: So Clint's come it's over like with the hoppedal. He's again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Clint, uh, from uh, just, Pocket Beagles he's Fair. He's just, like, ransacked
1: my interview.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he did with Brian. He's going to be on two... You might be the first person to actually appear on two consecutive podcasts. That's the... Um, Okay, mate, you're here now. We might as well talk. Tell us about Mr Budgie Smuggler.
2: I don't know.
1: What do you need to know? Is this... I drew this guy, the hop peddler. As my wife says, turning up the microphone might be a really sensible
0: Uh,
2: idea. So I drew this character, the hop peddler for the triple uh, hop uh, hazy, and I put a nipple on it, and it's the first time a nipple's appeared on a beer for us as co-conspirators. And I've got a bit of confidence since then. <laughs> and so I thought we want to do a beach-themed beer. It was sort of Joanna's idea, yeah. and I was like, I need to do a surfer guy. And I was like, he needs to be topless. Let's show Another both the hip. nipples. Another yeah. Hip.
0: And is this? I mean, you know, I, I know. I we go to the National Gallery a lot. We've seen a whole lot of sort of self-portraits lately, which are, you know, <laughs> clearly where the artist stands in front of a mirror and paints himself. Is that sort of the the inspiration? Uh, behind, behind the... Not the hot peddler, uh, so much as the... Uh, as my, the
2: my nipples are a lot smaller than uh, either of these characters. <laughs> so it's probably one of those situations where I'm making up for something, i.e. nipple size. Now, this
0: is a very in-joke. You'll need to go back and um, and listen to previous podcasts to get this one, but... Mate, that might be the best arm you've ever drawn <laughs> on a, on a
2: spiritus Um This is That is genuinely not the normal, uh, the arm that we see. It is a new arm, um, a new hand. Thank you for noticing. I actually, like... So I knew the uh, after I sketched the character, I knew sort of what I wanted him to look like, as in that hanging arm behind. And I went back, as I always do, to try and find the hand that I'd always drawn before that would just fit in so I could just... Save some time, but I didn't have the perfect hand, and so I had to redraw this hand, and it actually took a while, like to get it feeling natural, hanging behind him like that. But I'm happy with how it turned out.
0: I think he's happy with how it turned out as well. He looks like a man who's who's very (laughs) happy with it. So I think I
2: uh, I spent less time on the hand than I did on the positioning of the, let's say, bulges (laughs) on the. On the budgie smugglers.
0: I I feel like we've got to explain for our poor Hungarian listener who's (laughs) by the end, but he's going to be so confused by the end of this. But what are budgie smugglers? We don't want to give too much away, although budgie smugglers do give too much away.
2: Uh, Well, Speedo's, uh, you know, underwear that you wear in the ocean, I guess. Underwear that you wear at the ocean. (laughs) They're swimmers.
0: Ocean underwear. Yeah.
2: Uh, It's a bikini without a top. You've timed this beautifully because we're
0: getting to our wrap-up question, but you can both answer this one. It's our traditional cool room question. It's rephrased and updated for festival season. Uh, So what's the most disturbing thing you've seen? I say at a beer festival, but it could be a music festival or some other gathering along those lines.
1: I'm too Uh, old.
0: Or what, (laughs) 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 You
1: know...
0: I was I was going to reference something I think you're too young for. I was going to oh, reference Guns no. and Roses in 1992. Oh, oh, but you're no too no young
1: no for that, no so. no no! I don't know. I mean, not like I find the the conversation. One of the conversations I had today was, "Is the beer cold?" And i have mean, just taken it out of the esky. <laughs> 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 that's a bit strange, but anyway, that's pretty strange.
0: I've got I've got to, I've got to <laughs> say, when I was coming in, there was a bloke who. Didn't grasp what the festival about. He, he was saying, yeah, "So I pay entry, and then I can go wherever I like and purchase what I like." And it's like, "Yes, yes." So, but I don't have to have the beers. I don't want. To, no, you don't have to. <laughs> and I was there with all my podcast gear, waiting in line behind him. And it's like, "Mate, which bit of this don't you understand?" <laughs> How
2: about you, Clint? In terms of festivals of times past, weird things. Yeah, you know, I think with the amount of podcasts I've done with you. You should have a prepared answer, right? Maybe yeah, <laughs> you should sure, have sure known where this was going. I knew what you were going to ask, uh, but no, I, unfortunately, I don't have much. I, I sort of tend to steer clear of the actual, uh, you know, laborious side of things, which includes going into the the cool rooms themselves. What about
0: I'm just general festivals, side. things you've seen weird behind things. the
2: cool room, behind the mobile cool room, what goes on out there? Okay, well, we, weird festival things, I guess the first thing that sort of comes to mind is uh, going back to... Uh, Beer Insider a few few years back. Oh,
1: gee. Uh,
2: maybe four, four or five years ago. I um, was wearing a pair of shorts. It was nice and sunny like it was here, but inside. And I went to do a, uh, <clears throat> like, talk um, up on a stage in front of people. And I was wearing these new shorts, but I had a pen in my pocket. And as I stepped up onto the stage, the pen ripped a hole, like a really big hole in my shorts. <laughs> and I, like... You managed to sort of cover it up, but I had to sit down in front of the audience there with the the tear in it. I messaged Joanna, there's a hole in our shorts, can you see it? It was like, probably about five inches long, this hole. And uh, anyway, no one noticed, whatever. Go and see the the rest of the festival. Go and see the music happening. We're standing up watching something for Kate, who we're playing. And some girl walked behind me and just ripped, like grabbed both edges of the hole and ripped it completely apart. So, my shorts were just teared entirely through. I don't So, I'm sure that was this. more horrifying for everyone else yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> that, that day, myself. I remember
1: it was, like, it was like a 40 degree day. Yeah, that
2: so day. I was- sort of thankful that she uh me down i can't wait i have got
0: to you know i'm disturbed by the bloke on the on the the smuggler i'm disturbed by our friend on the hot peddler i cannot wait for the can that has the bloke with the big tear in his shorts (laughs) that's surely going to be a that's going to be a very special edition it's coming Um, Guys, it's been excellent to have you on the podcast again. Much as we joke about it, you're very regulars for a reason. It's because we love the beer that you make. Um, Can we have both the social medias for Co-Conspirators and also Pocket Beagles?
1: Yes, uh, Co-Conspirators Beer or Co-Conspirators underscore Brew
2: And at Pocket Beagles if you like design.
0: We love design, we love beer, we love the combination of the two. That's why we love to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for being part of our special outside broadcast at the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival.
1: Thanks, Thank David.
0: And here we are in the call cool room uh, where I haven't pressed record for what has been a really poignant discussion so far. Uh, Very poignant. I've laughed, I've cried... I've learned so much about my very new friends uh, from Urban Alley. We're going to repeat a little bit of what we were talking about. We we'll won't go over all of the gory details again, but I also feel like you guys have got a little bit more of a feel for the podcast now, so that's nice. Yeah, that a you know, practice run. Yeah, a good test run. And um, welcome to the podcast, Urban Alley. Welcome, oh. Dove. Welcome, Mitchell. Uh, would you like to introduce each other, which is a podcast tradition that we have?
3: Oh, well... Some breweries uh, are blessed to have really smart brewers who make really good beer. Don't make me cry again. And some breweries are blessed to have really lovely brewers and really great people to work with. Uh, But rarely in the Australian brewery industry do you have someone who upholds both those pillars with such incredible skill uh, as the great Dove Bailey, uh, who comes to us uh, from uh, Brooklyn via New Zealand, New Zealand via Brooklyn, one or the other, uh, and has been with us now for a little over a year as our head brewer.
0: I feel like there's even more passion in your voice this time around than there was before. So I, I, think I just like talking even with more him. It gets,
3: me, it gets me more, like, poetic.
4: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so for my take two of my introduction for Mitchell, uh, Mitch is the sales rep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that summarizes me pretty well.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear a little
0: bit. Uh, we'd love to introduce the breweries. It's the first time you've been on the podcast tell us where you are and tell us a little bit of that origin story before we go on to talk about this delicious beer that we've almost finished because I didn't press record.
3: That's all right. Uh, so we're located in Docklands, uh, down in the, uh, in the inner city of Melbourne. We've been around about four and a half to five years. Uh, started as some home brewers who had the idea to make some beer. We had a pub that had to close down for renovations and while it was closed down they went, let's just put a brewery inside there and it turns out they made pretty good beer and... It's been pretty good for us ever since we have a focus on sustainability accessibility and just doing the
0: little things properly awesome and in terms of where docklands is in melbourne if you're getting off
4: the plane at telemarine and you're coming in what are we looking for the melbourne star which is a giant ferris wheel it is a giant ferris wheel it doesn't move but it (laughs) is there it's very large very easy to spot so go to the end of the 86 tram and you'll see the melbourne star and we're right at the bottom Underneath the Hoyts. It's near Hoyts, absolutely right. Uh, Hoyts.
0: Costco,
3: the Melbourne Star, uh, the Melbourne uh, Ice Arena, where all the hockey teams train and play.
4: Uniqlo. I go to that Uniqlo a bit. EB Games. Also quite useful. There are
0: lots of great things down in uh, the Docklands. Many great festivals sponsored by the City of Melbourne. Uh, the Firelight Festival being a particular highlight. Uh, and I greatly enjoyed the opportunity to be part of the uh, Docklands Revitalisation Conference uh, about a week or two ago. So there you go. There you go. It's a... Very relevant. You see that one coming, did you? No. <laughs> no that's I, you. I didn't, that I didn't say that the first time around. Um... Guys, let's talk about the, uh, the the beer that's in front of us really briefly. It's one of your core range beers. Uh, it's delicious. What hops Thank have we you. got going here? Is there more than one hop in there?
4: So, somehow our Pale Ale has seven hops in it. New, new clubhouse leader, but seven. The idea being if you run out of one, then it's not going to change the profile of the beer too heavily. But I do say that the hero hop of the beer is Kashmir, US hop, um... It gives you that sort of nice uh, bubblegum, a little bit of tropical, also a little bit of pear sort of character.
0: And so we're dealing with an Australian pale ale here in terms of the style, so very approachable, sessionable on a day like today. I mean, I used to
4: brew in America, and my wife and I would rue the fact that you couldn't get um, a sort of relatively dry, lower-in-alcohol pale ale, because all the pale ales there are, you know, 5.6%, full of crystal malt, very, like, full-on... Um, so, yeah, the Australian pale ale is an actual style. And then I started seeing, you know, cool small breweries being like, oh, we're doing an Aussie pale ale in America.
0: Is that right? So I, haven't, I have not yet encountered an
4: American Australian it does, pale ale. It does happen, yeah. Any particular breweries you'd point us to on that front? Um, I know Tired Hands did one. That was, I think, pretty well received. Um, and then, well, also in the World Beer Cup, we're gonna do, I'm going to do a spruik here. We got bronze for Australian-style pale ale the third, third best in the World Beer Cup. Please tell me that all three finalists or meddlers were at least Australian. We so the, the gold and silver were taken out by Americans? I'm, I'm bloody outraged. I'm writing a letter. Purely because they have the advantage of freshness, though, you know, proximity. The
3: Beer World Cup's the biggest comp in the world, so 10,500 entries from 2,500 breweries from 57 countries around the world. 103 different categories, but uh, unlike a lot of brewery, a lot of uh, beer competitions, they only give out one medal for each. So we are the third
0: best Aussie-style pale ale in the world. That's awesome, guys. and it's, uh, I've got to say, I'm loving it. It's the perfect beer for a day like today at a festival. Uh, the festival is just going off this afternoon. Um, it was a bit of an accidental hit for us as well. It kind of came out of nowhere.
3: Uh, Do tell. Well, so it's called the Slapshot. Uh, so it, it originated as a collaboration beer we did with the Melbourne Ice Hockey Club because they're right next door to us. So this was about uh, nearly three years ago now. They came to us and said we want to do a collaboration brew. We came up with this, this lovely beer. We had a pallet of it sitting in our cool room ready to go across the road. This was about late 2019. And I don't know if you remember this, but then the world fell apart.
0: Uh, I, I do recall,
3: I yeah. do recall. Uh, so they had to close their doors and-, and That's what that was. <laughs> yeah, so my boss rang me on a, on a random weekday and went, there's this pallet of beer in the cool room, go sell it. And then all of our clients bought it and it became immensely popular and then it went into our core range and now it's winning awards. It sort of came out of nowhere.
0: So quite genuinely, this wasn't a core range originally. What was no. the core range to kick off with? It started as a,
3: just a collaboration and people kept buying it and kept wanting more and more and more and eventually we just went, well, what Yeah, I think want. the original
4: core range was Urban Ale, Urban Lager, Urban Dark. And the Urban APA. It's urban American APA, color. there was also potentially the urban pink in there for a hot second. That was
3: never a uh, core range, but it was a, a limited
0: we did for a while. And I believe now there's six beers in the core range. Uh, I'm not sure, Dove whether
4: you realise that was the case or not. But... So we've got six. I'm, I'm well aware as of ten minutes <laughs> yeah. ago that the mango's nowhere, our mango passion fruit sour is core range, according to Mitchell. Uh, people
3: keep getting angry when we run out of it, so we're going to stop running out of it. Uh, so our core range is our, our blonde ale and our lager, both really simple styles. Uh, done really effectively. We have the slap shop with a bit of extra oomph. Uh, we have our mid-strength and our non-alcoholic uh, that do the one thing they should do and taste like their full-strength beers. And then we have our mango passion fruit sour,
0: the mango's nowhere, which uh, came out of lockdown when, uh, when we were all going nowhere. And the non-alcoholic and the mid-strength, we keep on hearing that these are styles and the markets which are expanding rapidly. Is that your experience of what's happening? Particularly yeah. Uh,
3: particularly in the, the wake of, of the last few years as people have sort of taken their drinking habits a little more seriously. We've noted particularly in different suburbs, but particularly in inner in Melbourne, we found a lot of people are trying to go, they want to have a drink without having too much of the, the, the alcohol effects they're going to have later. Uh, so we find that it's, it's becoming a real option that the better the quality gets, the more people are really comfortable to just have the flavour have the social aspect without having to worry about the next morning I've also got a client uh, a nightclub in the city who will remain nameless uh, for the reason I'm about to say which is that they've started giving non-alcoholic beer to people who are beyond the limit of ordering beer and so they just give them the non-alcoholic and no one knows that they're drinking non-alcoholic beer that's Keeps, keeps the customers happy it's the old bartender version of the vodka lime soda which is just soda water and lime
0: I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Just in case I ever run another license in you, I want to make quite clear that I would never mislead my customers so It's like one that.
3: of those little tricks that bartenders use to stop people who don't know when they've had enough.
0: Now, let us talk about not having enough. I've not had enough urban ALBs, urban ALBs. Let's let's move on to the hazy. Let's talk about what's in the can here, and um, let me open it up. Or even better, have someone open it for me and pour it for me. Whatever. What a delicious job I have. So here we have, what can you tell us about the beer? Let's go on a little, uh, little bit of a tour of the beer, how it looks in my glass.
4: Yeah, so this is a, um, a beer we actually packaged this week. Fresh as. Um, so it's new hazy IPA from us called Rolling Fog. Um, it's on the lighter side of the haze. There's, there's a haze there, but it's certainly not thick. Um, also on the drier side of a lot of hazy IPAs. But still with that really super hop saturated character. We used a lot of different hop products in this. Um, Eldorado Incognito with Mosaic and the Whirlpool, and the dry hop was you know Mosaic Cryo, Equinox Cryo, Eldorado, and more Mosaic. Um, and I think the most interesting thing I find about this beer is definitely the Equinox Cryo. It's it's not a, a terribly common hop. No, I was going to say,
0: tell us a bit about it if you can.
4: I think it can can lean into that very savory realm, and I think it does definitely lend an edge of that to this beer that sort of more herbal, maybe like green capsicum or chive aspect, which a lot of people are not looking for in their IPAs. But I think blended in with some other stuff, like, you know, obviously mosaics, super common in your hazy IPAs, and then Eldorado is a really nice rounded hop. Um, I think it comes together really nicely. You definitely get a bit of that Equinot up the front, and, you know, it's like a little bit aggressive on the nose, but then. Once you have a couple of sips, you start to get all the more tropical sort of, you know, like papaya, mango-y sort of stuff coming through as well. And, you know, there's also a bit of like resin in there from like, you know, it's a classic West Coast hops like Mosaic. Uh, hops from Australia or are you getting them from overseas? Um, this is all US, this one. I do love using Australian hops. I think our Next Limited IPA is an all, all Aussie hop. It's not coming out till Feb, though.
0: And so, where do you get your hops from in the US and what's the, what's the process like of actually
4: sourcing um, these? Oh, there's a few few different distributors here. Um, and we try and remain friends with all of them because, you know, if someone runs out and you're only friends with one of them, then it could be a bit hard.
0: This is very true. It's, a bit, it's the, it's the uh, hop seller's equivalent of having seven hops in your beer, isn't it?
4: Yeah. Fingers in the pie, you know? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, they, they all have reps here who are really great and um, just, you know, supply you with great products. At the drop of a hat, um, I think we're at a pretty good spot with US hops at the moment. Um, just well, I, I suppose lockdowns and decrease in beer production has actually mean there's more US hops around. And a few years ago, some of the really popular hops were actually super hard to come by. Um, now we're in a pretty good spot where, like the you know, the price of some of those US hops has actually come down in the last couple of years.
0: That's right. You're the first person to say that to me. I've never heard that before, but uh, the impression we
4: had was that, you know, everything's getting more and more Those expensive. Most things are getting more expensive. Hops have been okay.
0: <laughs> uh, and in terms of, obviously, you've got your own venue, great place to go and visit down in Docklands, but where else can people around Melbourne and Australia, for that matter, where can we find the beers? Uh, so in terms of, uh, we have a couple of pubs ourselves. We have one in Docklands. Uh, we
3: opened them about six months ago in Knox uh, and in Wontona, Fentry Gully area. Uh, And we're going to be opening in Chadston in the next couple of months. So we'll have our own tap houses there. Uh, As for where people can find us around Melbourne, uh, a bunch of our beers you'll find in a few Dan Murphy's. We have a lot of independent clients around uh, bottle shops and pubs. One of the big things I say to people is if you like our beer and you want to find it somewhere, go and ask them for it. Uh, That makes the biggest difference. Uh, But we also have our website. We do uh, nationwide delivery. So if you head to our website, urbanalloy.com.au,
0: we have all of our beers on sale in our shop there. Now, again... Our poor Hungarian listener won't really be able to piece together Chadston, Knox. There's, a, there's a, genuinely a theme there that we can... So what's the strategy behind the places that you're choosing to put
4: your, uh, your live venues? Well, they're in malls, to put it straightforward. Or shopping centres, as or we say in Australia. Or shopping centres, as we say in Australia. I'm from New Zealand, I don't know what we say in Australia. It's um, not something where like, it's not normal in Australia. No, and I, I think the idea is, you know, you find yourself at a shopping centre for, you know, you might be shopping, you might be going to movies or whatever. Uh, being able to get a really good meal and some really nice beer on top of it is just a really good bonus. Like, you know, so much of our trade is, you know, people are going to the ice hockey, they go to the movies and they're like, oh, great, I can get, like, you know, some proper beer and a proper feed just right next door.
0: Absolutely. It makes total sense. It's just interesting. Is that something you've seen in America? Is that more common outside of Australia?
4: Or is um, something I, no, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's just um, something that's worked for us since, since starting in Docklands.
3: It's also one of the natural results of the last couple of years in Australia where, in a wholesale sense, finding taps where we can sell our beer is getting harder and harder, in part because there's more breweries around, but also... Uh, The larger, the the big guys are starting to buy out more taps, which makes it harder to find it. And so one of the options is we'll we'll make them ourselves. It gives us more option to increase our capacity. We can make larger batches because we know that we can sell it in our pubs and then we can have more different beers we can sell to other people. It increases our ability to be a quality brewery.
4: Yeah, and hospitality is a huge part of our business. Like, you know, we're obviously making beer, but like hospitality is the bread and butter really...
0: And and clearly having those sort of accessible beers and that big core range that covers, you know, the the broader part of what most people are going to be looking for in a beer. It means that whenever you come to Urban Alley, there's going to be something in our
3: range that's going to work for you. Depending on what styles you usually like, there will almost always be something in the range that that will tickle your fancy.
0: Now, we have our traditional core room question. We normally ask about the most disturbing, confronting, amusing thing that people have seen in a core room. We're shifting things up a bit today... We're asking about festivals. The you know, the thing that you've seen behind the scenes at a festival. Uh, obviously not the Williamstown Beer Festival, I keep emphasising, you know, nothing underwater is happening at this festival, but other festivals you've been to, beer festivals obviously, but music festivals, any kind of festival perhaps, where what goes on behind the mobile cool room in the at the beer festival? Or whose job is it to pack up the marquee tonight?
4: Well, as I mentioned before we were recording, Mitchell's actually quite a talented man. Um, you know, between theatre, comedy and music, he's got quite a lot going on. Uh, so he's actually a very talented trombone player. So, I, I feel like we buried the lead there a little bit, you know. So we're we now, you know, 15 minutes
0: into the discussion before we got to the trombone.
4: I know, we should have brought it up earlier.
0: Yeah. I actually have a separate trombone podcast. No, that's not true. No, sorry, I shouldn't. Have. This isn't the trombone podcast? Yeah, you know, that's,
4: <laughs> Oh. Uh, so, at, uh, Gabs, I'm sure you're aware. There's a uh, marching horn band that wanders around, uh, and one year, unbeknownst to us, Mitchell just whips out a trombone and starts jamming with them. Um, it was just very confronting for me to see this this beautiful man just, you know, just start playing the trombone absolutely ab- out of nowhere. You know,
3: I have an annoying
4: habit of just saying yes when
3: people ask me to do things, uh, and so the band had one one of the days and said, "Oh, you should bring a trombone and come play with us." And I went, all right. Came back the next day with the trombone. I went, all right, I'll jam with you. You know this one song I know how
0: to play? Let's do it. I, I, the bit that I found particularly fascinating was that you had turned up with the trombone. It makes more sense if you'd had a day's warning. I've got to say that. Because
3: they're the same band every year. I, I know some of those guys from uh, various other places, and they just keep saying, yeah, come along and play and I go, yeah, sure. I say yes the, to things. What's the one song you know? Uh, the song is called Chameleon. It's an old jazz song. Uh, from from way back in the day, but it uh, has a very good trombone line. So even though it's been a long time since I played in a band, I can always remember that bass line, so
0: always a bit of fun to play. I've got to to tell you, I wasn't expecting this to veer off into trombone fancier's,
3: you know. When you ask Dove for weird things he's seen at beer festivals, I feel like I probably take out the top three or four spots. (laughs) I think at the same festival I started doing acrobatics there was an acrobat that came around and volunteered to put me up on his shoulders. That was
4: terrifying.
3: Yeah, I'm not an acrobat. But he was just like, we'll put you up on my shoulders. And I went, sure.
0: I mean, I, I feel like we're heading towards Gab's 2023 with you playing the trombone on someone else's oh,
4: shoulders. He's going to be headlining. So,
3: I, I, yeah, I just say yes to weird things. Like you I know, don't know if you can tell, but
4: Mitch is not a small person. So for this, for this acrobat to have Mitch on his shoulders was pretty impressive.
3: I was, I was surprised he managed to pull it off. I was yeah. convinced I was going to fight. How tall are you? A uh, six four.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's quite the story.
4: Like, he, and, he,
3: and
0: he was very much not. He would have been probably five ten. The, our live audience can appreciate. Uh, Mitchell is not the small. He's not like gymnast size. I'm not, I'm not trying no. to be rude, but you're no, I am I'm,
3: r- I'm a large gentleman.
0: And so that's. Uh, and you, and you say other other festival stories that don't relate to you playing the trombone or doing gymnastics, which I feel like might be limiting your, you know, story. Uh, I just have a great love of finding the weird beers. The people that come to
3: festivals with a very specific beer that you, you couldn't sell it in wholesale, you couldn't sell it outside of a festival, but at a festival it's fantastic. There was one, I think it was a Gabs a couple of years ago, where I, I found a brew that had a smashed avo sour. And I was like, that's very, A, it's very Melbourne, uh, and B, it's very beer festival, and it was a fantastic beer. But it was one of those things,
0: I just love finding those like, just really weird things. Have you got to uh, visit some of the other stalls today at Williamstown? And is there a, a beer that most stands out for being it. excellent and tasty that you've loved? And what's your nomination for weird beer at the festival? I, I tried the
3: Blackmans have a lemon sorbet sour, but they were serving with the sorbet in it, which I love. I love beer that has a fun gimmick to it. Uh, I, I quite enjoyed that.
0: That said, We've got Blackman's on, I think, next, so we might have to go and get some of that. There you go. Let, let them know how much we love them
3: and see if we can get a reverse plug. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll, go, we'll go peer pressure, then we'll give them some cans and say, <laughs> I, I'm happy to be the middleman for that. You know, I'll take a little cut along the way. You know? I always uh,
3: enjoy coming to beer festivals because there's so many other people here that we just see at festivals. Just chatting with other reps
0: and other brewers is always a good time. And, Dub, how about yourself? Has there been a beer around the festival today
4: that you've well, I just snuck over to Stomping Ground and... Um, was like, I oh, look. I really want to try the triple, but like, I just can't have too much of it because I I can't remember off the top of my head what the ABV was, but you know, around the ten mark. Um, but they were very kind, kind enough to give me a very small sample of the triple, and it was it was really beautiful. Just you know, really nice Belgian esters with some nice malt sweetness in the background guys it's
0: been fantastic to have you on I feel like we've had you on twice now even though we've only recorded once Uh, we're happy to come back for a third time (laughs) Uh, and absolutely people should go and hunt you down uh, at the venues Docklands Chadston, Knox am I missing one and hopefully one day many more and hopefully one day many many more online is the other one and online Uh, guys we look forward to having you on the podcast again very soon Uh, it's been fantastic to have you on today
4: Thanks so much for having us.
0: It was good to be here. (laughs) I love our audience. There are thousands of people in the audience here today. I have two favourites, and they're the ones who've reminded me to press record, uh, which I didn't do in time for Urban Alley. They were very good about that. And I almost doubled down on my mistake right then with the Clifton Hill Brew Pub. Uh, It's episode 178, maybe 179 of the Cool Room podcast. We're making many new friends. My newest new friend is Jake from the Clifton Hill Brew Pub. Welcome along, Jake.
5: Thanks for having me. How are we, you guys?
0: We're having an excellent afternoon here at the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival. Yourself?
5: Yeah, it's good. It's good to be back out and uh, trying to market and promote our brand a little bit more. Um, we have been around for quite a while, but um, yeah, just slowly getting back into the festival scene. Tell us a little
0: bit of the backstory. We love, we have genuinely listeners all around Australia and all around the world. Tell us where Clifton Hill is. Tell us what it's like as a suburb. Tell us, most importantly, about the brew pub.
5: Well, Clifton Hill, a lot of people ask uh, where it is, even though they live in Melbourne. But it's <laughs> a tiny little suburb, smack bang in the middle, north Fitzroy and Collingwood. Uh, so we're in the heart of uh, craft beer scene in there. A lot of little breweries are uh, pretty close. Um, we're in a pub, uh, pub, so we are a brew pub. A uh, little microbrewery, 8 Hack uh, house. And the pub's been there for 140 years-plus, and um, the brewery's turning 10 next year. So. Is that right? I'd, I wouldn't have guessed that it was actually that old. No, no, a lot of people sort of say that, but yeah, yep. And,
0: and tell us a little bit about the origin story. Like, 10 years ago, who decided it was the right place and
5: the right time to open a brew pub? Yeah, I think the, the pub itself, uh, back in the years, was, was an Irish pub, and I think... Um, the, the audience is laughing. Ha- I don't. I don't know why. It's, I guess uh, it goes hand in hand with beer. But no, they decided to you know do a rebrand of the place and um, and go the craft beer scene, which was um, yeah, it was pretty pretty early for that absolute. sort of thing ten to years happen, ago. So. That was
0: right on the very cusp of that beginning, I reckon.
5: Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So. Uh, And,
0: you know, give us a bit of a feel for the pub itself. Obviously 140 years old, you know, what's it like if we were walking in the door? Explain to our good, loyal Hungarian listener what he'd experienced if he was walking in this afternoon.
5: Uh, So we're we're just on the corner of uh, Queen's Parade and um, Wellington Street. Uh, So plenty of well-known breweries down uh, Wellington, and then if you go a little bit further down the road, Smith Street. Um, So we're right on the 86 tram line. Um, If you are coming down Smith Street... You just stay on the tram a little bit longer down the corner. Uh, you'll see us right there at the stop. So. I think that's
0: the second time the 86 has been referenced. We should do a little tally of which tram lines get mentioned and most uh, tonight. Ryan from Waywood uh, mentioned yep. a number of well Fitzroy, you know, identities. I've got to say.
5: Uh, yeah, yeah, nice. It's it's it is a very good tram to uh, for the craft beer scene. But yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, as you come in the front bar. We have the brewery smack bang in the middle of the pub, so I'm pretty sure it's probably one-off in Melbourne. Um, we do have a, a little microbrewery in the centre. Um, it's not like a warehouse sort of set up like a lot of them are these days. Um, we've got a little bit of a beer hall out the back mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, restaurant eating throughout the, the, the other areas of the venue. So, And how many beers do you have on tap? Uh, so we've got about... Dependent, about 15 to 16 beers on tap all the time. Um, and, yeah, and always vary, varying, so we do a lot of sing- single keg, um, one-off so that's beers as what I was going to well ask. What,
0: do you have a core range, and what's in the core range, and then what else do we get to come and uh, play so
5: with? We just sort of redefine our core range. So we've got IPA. We have our raspberry showers, a little bit of a favourite there, back at the brew pub. Um, obviously our lager, Mirna Calis. uh We've got a dark in there. Uh, so a few of the old favourites, and obviously our American Pale. So over the years they've been there from the start, but a few little tweaks um, over the time has been made.
0: And what's your role there? Before we talk a bit more about the beers. So,
5: uh, so I am I'm brewing there. Um, I've been there a little bit over a year. Um, yeah, just come out of the home brewing scene really, and uh, lucky enough to get the gig. So
0: we've got a lot of home brewers who are listeners. Uh... What was the transition like for you and was it what was it like to be applying for jobs? How did that go? People, people love this kind of conversation. They want to learn how they can do it themselves. Yeah, I guess I guess it's,
5: I mean, in a way it's just a bigger scale, but there is a lot. It's learning the process, I guess, of, of your brew house, um, which every brew house is a little bit different and unique in its way. So it's just scaling up and, and, and getting taught sort of the process of it. Um. Uh, and uh, of the beers that are
0: on tap, the beers that we're tasting here today, uh, how many are your recipes and how many are inherited recipes from the, from the brewery?
5: Um, I think it's probably about a 50-50 today. So we did do a Willie Hayes, which is a one-off beer. We sort of wanted to do something for the festival um, since we haven't been in one for a long time now. Uh, so we just did a bit of a Hazy Pale, a one-off beer for that. And um, I think it's probably been our best seller today. Too so,
0: and uh, when I was over at your stall, I had a little taste of the lager. That was tasting beautiful, and now we're on to the to the IPA.
5: So yeah, on to the IPA. This can you talk us through this one a little bit? Uh, this IPA is actually um, it's a bit of a Vic IPA, so we've used all Vic ingredients uh, from the hops, all uh, HBA stuff, um, and then yeah, even the malt. a bit of Joe White through that, and yeah. We generally have this on tap all, all year round too. So, so, so which
0: hops have we got here? Uh, we've
5: got Big Secret, there's Ella, there's a bit of Galaxy in there, um, and we are a little bit of medium crystal malt. Um, but yeah, that's it's a, it's a lot lighter bodied than uh, our old IPA. Our old IPA was um, you know sort of the old school back that was the recipe about 10 years ago. So yeah, we're sort of going for that more sessionable drinking one.
0: And have the hops changed much? Are there sort of hops uh, that you'd say are distinctive of the brewery, or?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, well, with this one in particular, um, yeah, we use these hops throughout a, a number of beers. So, yeah. Uh, and tell us a bit about your story. You know, is it? You know, when you were home brewing, what styles were your favourite ones to make? Uh, I was mainly IPAs. I liked. Um, you know, I come from. Up, up north country a lot of lager drinkers there you know a lot of people on the Carlton Drive how far uh, north are we talking That's a, yeah. pretty well on the border so yep up near Swan Hill Kerrang there um, so yeah, growing you, you up can,
0: you can tell when someone's really from Kerrang because there's no E in Kerrang <laughs> when you but, I'm from Bendigo so I know yeah, that okay, but,
5: yeah, it, yeah nice it's, um, it's really Krang, isn't it yeah yeah yeah. it's a bit of slang up there so <laughs> but no it's sort of you grow up drinking the, you know Pretty boring beers, I guess, and then you know, after trying a few IPAs, which is a little bit rare to come by up there, um, yeah, sort of found the love for them and for the love of brewing, and uh, yeah, that's sort of where it took off from. Um,
0: the are last- there any recipes you've got in your back pocket that you haven't been brave enough to actually tell the brew you know, the owners that you want <laughs> to make it, you know, the things that involve? ridiculously expensive, you know, hot bills. And yeah,
5: there's a few, few different ones on to play with. Sours, just you know, playing around with adding, you know, the, uh, you know, the random sort of stuff that what what makes brewing fun. Um, but yeah, they're pretty good. We sort of work together on you know what's going to sell and what's going to get people in the door as well. So they're pretty good with trying some out there stuff.
0: Uh, and how sure. outrageous is your Willie Hayes, which is the festival beer today? Have you gone fully sort of festival beast mode? Oh, uh,
5: not really. No, it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty standard, I guess, hazy pale. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty mild. Yeah, we just sort of wanted something new um, to sell on the taps and sort of. And which
0: hops? Which hops are going to be in that one? Uh, Are in that
5: mainly Eldorado Galaxy, um, and we have used a little bit of Strata through there too. So.
0: Now the question we normally ask here in the cool room is, you know, what uh, what's the weirdest thing you've experienced in a cool room, or the most disturbing? We've we've switched it up a bit today. Okay. We're talking beer festivals. Like, do you have a particular festival memory? Obviously, not Williamstown. You don't need to name the festival. It could be a music festival. Experiences you had at festivals that oh. you think would be fun for our audience to listen to.
5: Well, this is a bit of a, bit of a hard one. Uh, this is why we normally
0: send through the questions beforehand.
5: <laughs> well, I did go up to Byron Bay in January, uh, in July, and, um, yeah, that was probably the most out there experience as a festival, just the mud up to your knees and... Um, so again, yeah.
0: explain for poor you know, Heinrich in Norway, uh, where Byron Bay is, because well, these are iconic festivals in Australia, people had waited for a, a couple of years to get back to festivals? Yeah, yeah it, was, it
5: was a few years, a couple of years, and um, well, I think uh, New South Wales and uh, lower Queensland probably sold out of gumboots um, that week, so we'll just say that.
0: it. Uh, we, we were up in Sydney when, when the floods started. It's bonkers to think that that's sort of three months ago, and that they've been sort of suffering through it for that entire length of time yeah. so
5: yeah definitely yep um
0: tell us about the social medias how do we follow you how do we uh how do we get to the venue apart from the 86 tram and um give us your spiel
5: uh, so we are located obviously in clifton hill uh, 89 queens parade um corner of queens and wellington street um in terms of getting there you know the tram's yeah, obviously best. You obviously want an Uber or a tram or taxi so you can have a few beers. Um, I'm just trying to
0: bump up the 86 mentions, you know. For, you know. And
5: and of course the 86, um, but yeah, that's it.
0: Awesome, mate. Look, thanks for being part of the show today. It's been fantastic to have so many breweries and you know opportunities uh, for people to learn about new venues, even if they're 10 years old or 140 years old.
2: <laughs> no dramas, thanks, Eves. Cheers. All right.